Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Sweet Release Healing Roundtable. After dark, if you're easily offended, I suggest you pause, stop, and close out the tab now and just don't listen to us because we say whatever the fuck we want because we're not actively recording on TikTok during this time and we're not worried about getting banned like we normally would be. Tonight, I have with me Tiffany, Charity, and Carlene, and we are going to be discussing more on spiritual kiddos and all the other things we've left off from from our past episodes that always go left of center. Enjoy this with us in our squirrel moments. I also want to say thank you so much to Morgan and Sharon for being our fantastic producers. Could not do this without them. So well, I want to pick up where we left off with conversations of awful teachers that absolutely stunt spiritual kids. So again, one more time with a disclaimer. If you get triggered by this, scroll on by. Stop the recording and don't listen. Unless you want to be mad and then I'm not here to judge. What I am here to judge though is fucking Mr. Hamlin. He taught first grade. Freaking South Range Elementary School circa 1980-something in fucking Derry, New Hampshire. This is where I went to school. This is my experience. <clears throat> I remember being in fifth grade or sixth grade. This was right before sixth grade started going to middle school. And Mr. Hamlin's class was next to ours. And it adjoined not by the wall, but by that like accordion wall that you could open and have double classes and we loved it when they did that because they were two classes and it was so cool we could open it up and we could see what the other class was doing and this is awesome right well then they swapped it so that the first grade was next to the sixth grade and we heard banging on the other side and i distinctly remember and heard mr hamlin say what is wrong with you you could learn things from a dummy to a first grader now, I never actually had him as a teacher, but I got caught talking once because we weren't allowed to talk during lunch. You had to sit and eat in silence, and it was awful. And God forbid you even looked at your friend and, like, nodded. You were in trouble, especially if Mr. Hamlin was in lunch duty. And all of us that got caught would have to stand on the wall of shame all of recess or at least half of recess and before he let us out to stand on the wall of shame at recess he would shame us and he would say i remember him saying something along the lines of i can't do anything wrong we're mommy and daddy's little prince and princesses and i remember thinking to myself you are a sad little man and i think i was in like third or fourth grade by then because i had a couple run-ins with him and i just tried to stay away from him that dude scared the bejesus out of me when I was little, but I, again, my dad's a Marine. I was a tough kid. And I remember looking him right in the eye and being like, I'm not going to look away from this guy. Fuck you. I remember being like this tough little kid and just being like, no. Again, my dad's a Marine. He had us do KP cleaning. He had us play <laughs> around and do different drills. And he thought he was really funny. And it was fun because we were little and it was play. You pretend to be soldiers and pretend to be Marines. You know, my poor father had two daughters and <laughs> you guys have seen my house. You have seen the amount of work I've put into my house with these bare hands and these nails. I can be whatever I need to be. <clears throat> so clearly my dad taught us a lot. But one of the things he taught us is looking through someone. Mm. You stand there. You pick a point on the opposite wall and it doesn't matter what gets in front of your eyes. You just stare. 
And I remember doing that. And I remember spirit telling me when I was that little, just stare at the wall. Don't look at him, stare at the wall. When he would look away from me and start walking in the other direction, I would look at him and I would get a read on him on purpose. And it was like, you are sad, you are pathetic, you hate your job, you hate everything about yourself and you're taking it out on these kids and this is entertainment for you. And then when he would start to turn, I'd look back at that spot. Why did I have to do that as a child? Why weren't we protected? The principal knew about this, other teachers knew about this, school board knew about this. Why was this man protected? Why was he allowed to treat children this way. Children. That makes no sense to me at all. It makes no sense to me at all either. I, I don't understand it. I don't know why people are allowed to do that around kids. But think about the amount of parents that do that to their spiritual kids. That's not real. And these kids, I mean, it was one thing that it would happen at school and then I would go home and I was safe for the rest of the day. And safe on weekends, safe all the time, right? <clears throat> and once I wasn't in elementary school, screw that guy, I never saw him again. But I think about all these kiddos who have parents that are like, and we've heard this from adults. You're making this up. You're too sensitive. You need a thicker skin. You need to just stop thinking about it. You need, you need, you need to change for my comfortability. And how that tamps kids down why they're all so pissed off Bottled that's up. why like the one thing about the like that 18 and under is like they're such distaste for injustice they get so pissed like rage filled when they feel like there's been an injustice that is like the biggest theme. And like, it's like, okay, if they're pissed off, <clears throat> there's a reason. They, they feel they've been wronged in some way. They feel, you know, somebody didn't explain something. Somebody ridiculed them, like not listening to them. Well, they're all pissed the fuck off and I can't even blame them because I'm right there with them so like I think also sometimes with their anger that I, I, I don't know why people are allowed to do that and yes I think they get pissed off and they're enraged about it but but like Terry when she started school she took a quote from Aristotle and it's um it's actually on my back wall and it's educating the mind without educating the heart is no education at all. It takes me six months to a year to get through to a kid that's been beat down like that. From a school system, from being told things aren't real, to being told that they don't know what they're talking about, to being told they're too sensitive, to being told that they lash out too much, from being told all of these things, it takes me sometimes longer to get to them. And once I do, everyone in their family sees a change. Not just in their grades, 
in other aspects of their life. I don't understand why people treat children the way they do in this world. But if you can't look at them and talk to them and be open with them and be kind to them and help them and lead them and guide them, I don't think you belong as a teacher at all. Like her story of that terrible teacher. I mean, I've had maybe a couple. I was fortunate that I had really good teachers most of the time. I had a couple that were shouldn't have been teaching, but it wasn't anything really major like that. And I just think it was fortunate with the teachers that I got because I use a lot of what they taught me now. That if you don't get to their heart, if you don't see them for who they are, and that's actually seeing their spirit. Like, you don't see them for who they are and let them be, and you shut all that down. You're not educating them. You're not helping them. What is the purpose of you being a teacher? That's, you know, that's... I hear so many stories from the kids tell me things about their teachers. And I just, I don't understand it. They shut them down. They don't let them talk. They don't let them ask questions. Um, like she was talking about earlier. They shame them for whatever. I don't know. I don't understand at all why they do that. I... And from a parent's perspective, that's a position that we teach our children to be trusted. Like those are the people that you should trust in that classroom, in that moment for all of the time that you are there. And for them to get such pushback on a daily basis creates so much more trauma to them and so many more bad cycles that you have to then go and break out of. For my oldest with her ADHD issues, like their solution is to isolate her, to give her time and space. And she really just needs someone to listen to her for a minute. She does better when she talks it out and gets it out of her brain. So isolation is not at all what is going to help her. And it just creates more issues. And then she hates school. And then she doesn't learn anything. And it's this vicious cycle that we have to deal with every single year. It is, that's the stories I hear, Tiffany, when they come. They're like, we're so done with this because my kid's not... It's, it's getting the attention that they need, right? Like, mm -hmm. for her, the isolation is not good. For some kids, they need like five minutes alone. Each one of mine is different. Each one. And I address them differently. I know them well. I know them really well. They know me really well, too. But that's because most of the time, I give them credit. They actually pay attention to me. One, because I'm silly. Two, dramatic. And three, because I pay attention to them first. I also, when I get a new kid, and I know this is a Southern thing, but I will say, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am, because I hand them respect before I ever expect to receive it from them. Always. And that's something that I don't think that they get either. It's always, as if you are on my level, 
until I need to tell you, okay, you're young, one day you're going to learn this, and when you're a little bit older. But I address them as if it was you. I talk to you. I talk to them. I validate whatever it is. If I can, and help correct whatever it is that needs correcting, like, I don't know, their math problem, or the reason why they can't figure something out. I get them to look at it a different way, but I... I don't understand teachers that don't want to be there for the kids. Like, I just, I have a huge problem with this, apparently. More so than I thought. But it's interesting that you say that to me because this is stories I get. And I get it to an extent. Yeah. They're, it's not teacher bashing at all. There are some great teachers out there that are doing the absolute best that they can with the yeah. resources they have, which are very yeah. limited. When you have a cl classroom of 25 students, if not more, to give individualized attention is not a realistic expectation. But it does need to be seen at a higher level then, that sometimes some of those little accommodations need to be made. I, I agree with that. I, I don't want to be teacher bashing at all, exactly what you said, but... Okay, I'm going to get them all set box just a little bit. But there are some that need to be pulled out, right? And you're absolutely right. Our school systems are overrun with too many kids per teacher. In here, I have several kids. However, I don't have too many. We keep a certain ratio for that fact until we can either hire another teacher, have more room for more kids, but we keep a certain ratio so that I am able to attend to the children that I have. And you're right, some teachers don't have backup, they don't have reinforcements, they don't have support, they don't have time because they've been, I don't know, inundated with so many kids in so many classes that they can't really physically do that. And it's hard sometimes because really great teachers are kind of caught and their hands are tied to a certain point. So it's like, what do you do? Open your own school? I don't know. Um, uh, that's what Terry did, and I just helped her. But it needs to be looked at, I think, more so than what we actually do look at it, as far as the system itself. Because there are a lot of really, really good teachers that just need help reaching kids, time-reaching kids, I think. The whole system needs redoing. And maybe that's something that'll happen in the future, I hope. But they're not getting what they need, I don't think. At all. I... I really, really would like to see... Places and schools for kids more like what we do here. And I'm not saying we're perfect, but I pay attention to them and I let them be them. And I just try to guide them along and give them a good education, which I do so far. We're good with that. I just, I don't know. It's, I don't know how to help that other than what I'm doing, but I can't 
I still can't understand why someone would, I don't know, be a teacher and, and not really be there for the kids. Or maybe they were at one time. I don't know. I try to hold the best hope for people and <clears throat> yeah. try to remind myself that there must have been a time where this was a calling to them. Right. And I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe not. But I think I really think it's going to change. I really hope it changes for them. And I, like your own kids, you see your own kids struggling, like you said, it's not working. School's a fight because she doesn't want to go. That's hard, right? Because then you're like, well, you have to go to school. Like we have to deal with this. We have to figure this out in some way. I want kids to want to go to school. I want them to want to learn. I want them to feel safe enough to ask questions. Right? Like, I don't have kids coming in here and I hear horror stories about situations they've had. It's just going to take, I think, more of us working for it. I don't know. That, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. That asking questions gets to me. I remember being in high school myself. And I'm the kind of person that, like, I need the why behind things. Like, I need to know how it works. I need it explained. And I actually had to repeat algebra, like take it two different times because yeah. every time I would ask the original teacher, the first teacher who failed me, like, he's like, you put the numbers into this formula and I'd be like, okay, but why? Well, cause you do, that's the way that's you do it. And I'm like, no, that tells me absolutely nothing. Uh -uh. I need the why literally had to fail and retake it with a different teacher and then did fine because they were able to explain to me the processes. If the kids are asking these questions and you can't answer them, what good are you doing? And I know my kids as spiritual kids, they ask a lot of frigging questions all the time about crazy shit. I'm not going to sit there and be like, cause I said so that's not a reason anymore. Yeah. My kids give me attitude. If I try to give them that answer, they're like, that's, what do you mean? Like, but like, why? And I'm like, let me sit here and explain my thought process. Hold on. I think if I said that to my students, they would look at me sideways and be like, you always tell us why. What is this? Like, <laughs> because I want to know why. Yeah. Always. I'm like, why? Why that? Why this? That's usually my first response to everything. Why? It just is. A lot of times I'll be like, how so? Explain that one. And I just let them talk. But the questions. I have kids come here. It takes me six months to a year to get them to ask me a question about their homework or anything because they're afraid to ask me because of where they have been. I don't understand that either. And they're like, we're not allowed to ask questions. I said, are you not in school? They're like, yes. I said, and you're not allowed to ask questions. They're like, no. And then I look at them sideways. I'm like, well, you have to in order to learn. So I expect questions. But I'm constantly with them and constantly asking them questions. So eventually they learn that they can. 
So much so that some days I come in and say, I have changed my name. It is no longer Miss Tate. And they'll say, what is your name? I'm like, I'm not telling you because I'm not answering questions today. It's a joke, right? Because they know I'm fucking around with them. But, but my kids ask questions now. But a lot of teachers don't allow them to. I don't see it's, the purpose of it either. It's because so many people don't look at kids as like... as knowing anything like they look at kids as if like you don't know anything your yeah. your opinion is not worth anything your thought process is not worth anything because you're little you don't know you don't know what what's what when literally they know so many things i can't like like it's and just to ask like I know it means a lot to them to be asked their thoughts because most of the time people are just talking at them, not asking them their side ever. And then like that has gone on for how many generations to where like now I think that's why there's so much abrasion between the kids versus teachers now or kids and parents, grandparents, like because the kids are more I don't know if they're no more demanding than we were but like it's like there's this side that's like no we don't need to explain why because we're the superior and like we're gonna make the decisions here no matter what you can't question me but then now we've got this wave of kids I don't know because I'm also thinking of how how this has translated as I've grown up too and like it's following through in the workforce because people that I, I've trained and like have been hired on for my job and stuff like they've been terrified to ask questions they've been terrified to approach the leader position you know the, whoever's considered the leader of the moment so like it's so heavily ingrained in everything simply because from a small age, we are automatically discounted instead of shown the value in our own input. And like, if that piece were taken care of, like, can you imagine? Well, I mean, I guess we've already started because parenting overall has been changing. Where, like, we're giving a shit about what the kids think and, like, wanting to know what they have to say. Showing them they have the value in what they say, what they think. I don't know. I feel like I just went on a whole rabbit hole and rambled. No, you didn't. There's a couple points I'm going to pull out in a minute, but Tiffany, go ahead. I think this ties into what Morgan asked in the chat and what tools to give them. Yeah. I really try to push with my kids advocacy and to most adults that actually looks like defiance. So there is a constant argument between me and the school with the teachers and the principals of, Hey, your child spoke up. She asked these questions. She pushed back. And I look at them and I say, good. Mm -hmm. 
because she's fighting for what she needs. And if you think for two seconds, I'm going to reprimand her for that, you're out of your godforsaken minds. That's never going to happen. So they've kind of gotten used to that now. My kids have no problem questioning any single adult, including me and her father, in a respectful manner. If they feel they were, you know, there was injustice on some part, we absolutely encourage them to speak up with rational, logical reasoning and explain to us why. That's the kind of kids that need to be raised in this moment. No more of that sit down, shut up and be quiet mentality, like Sharon said down there. It's over. Now is the time that we push for the things that we need as individuals, and it's going to start with them. Is the difference that our thoughts on respect have changed? Instead of respect being a fear-based thing, now it is a love-based thing? Oh, I got full body chills on that. I think so, because, like, um, like I said, when a kid comes into my classroom, I show them the utmost respect no matter what. Sometimes I don't get it back directly. That's a process sometimes. But I still give it uh, in the beginning. But the questioning thing, too... I think a part of that is used to you didn't question authority or someone older than you because they know and that's it and that's the end of the story. However, because they don't make mistakes and they know what's right. I will tell them I make mistakes. I am fallible. I am human. Correct me. You proofread my paper. I typed late last night. I give you bonus points. (laughs) Ask me the question. Oh, I do. It's English grammar. They find it. I'm like, oh, great. Okay, fine. Bonus. Go away. Bonus points. Yeah. I tell them, I said this grammar. You just proofread that. Great. Here. Good thing, because you didn't study last night. That's great. (laughs) They're like, and I'm like, don't lie to me. And they're like, yeah, I didn't. Okay. Go. Sit down. But I tell them I'm fallible. I make mistakes. I do know all. And I tell them all the time, I wish to God I did. I said, but I don't. I said, we can find out together. If I don't know it, I said, I probably know it. But if I don't, we'll find it. I said, but I'm not always right. And if you need to correct me and you need to say something or you feel like it's not justified what I say, then let's talk about it. And we do. Because they will come to me and be like, well, Miss Tate, I don't really think that's fair. Why? How so? Well, don't you think you ought to just do this and ought to do this? We have discussions about what we should and should not do in my classroom with them. I let them have power in their own classroom. I said, this is yours as well. I said, but I am the dictator at the end of the day. But right now we're going to run a democracy. What would you like to say? Right? I said, I have final say, but for now, we're going to be in a democracy. What do you have to say? And we talk about it. I don't think they have that. I don't think they have it where they can actually say, well, I don't really think that's fair, or this and that and the other, and I'll be like, well, why not? We'll see if you're justified in what you say. They love to win an argument with me. If they can. It's a bit of a challenge, but they do like it. And if they win, I will acknowledge it. And if they don't, I'm like, try harder. So I think it's the openness of I am not the I know all just because I'm older. I am not the be all authority over you. 
if you feel that something's unfair or unjustified or that something should be a different way, I have an SGA set up. They write an appeal to change the rules of the school if they'd like, if it gets passed. Um, my kids have a lot of say. I mean, at the end of the it's day, it's cool as hell. Me and Terry have a lot to say, but you know, final call on it, but they have say in what happens in my classroom as far as some things go, right? God, um, that is so important too. So, okay, sorry, tangent. So no, Cassie, my, like my daughter, okay? She likes organization, like crazy. She Everything has its place. Her brain freaks out if it's not. So very much like the control piece. If she does not have some kind of control or feels like she has some kind of control, her brain melts down. And yeah. that's her problem a lot of the time in like school settings and stuff is because where's the control? She like, and so she either meshes really well because she she's had like good luck having a nice in with the teachers, but like, Whereas Wyatt, not, not, but like when she has not meshed well with the teachers, like she has a crazy hard time and then we'll end up having like acting out behavior in class and things like that because she, she's out of touch. Like she can't do anything about the situation, you know? Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I think it's also important to make sure that that translates from school to home also. Mm -hmm. I know in my experience, sometimes with these spiritual kids, to not be dismissive because of my own busy life. To stop for a minute, like I literally have to think and make that conscious choice to stop and not be like, not right now, not right now. Yeah. And listen and validate the things that they are saying. It's not an easy job to be a parent with how busy our lives have to be at the moment. So it really takes a lot of effort and acknowledgement to make sure that we're not continuing those cycles from school into the home. Sure, a kid behaving in school and sitting down and being quiet makes life easier because you don't have to deal with the school systems then. But really, is that the best way to deal with it? So... Like an easy way in my house that I've incorporated, like letting them have the, some control piece, right? Which I agree with you. I also have to consciously stop myself a lot of the time to be like, no, they need some focus right now. Hold on. Um, but in our like daily, the chores. So like I have a big dry erase board and things are a little different and like wonky right now because of our living situation, but like, it's fine. Um, but they help me come up with the chores. Then every day they have their own colored marker and they put a dot next to the three that they want to do that day. And all of them are small, like pick up trash in the living room. Um, normally I will wash the dishes. So Cassidy will usually choose to unload the dishwasher. Um, 
when we were in Arizona, it was pick up dog poop. Like, I don't know, things like little things that take maybe five, 10 minutes tops. And that changed tremendously how they like looked at chores. We had a lot more like harmony in the house because then it felt a lot more like we were all helping out. They got to choose the thing that interested them that day. Like it wasn't, it wasn't just them being told, Hey, you have to do this. And it was on their own time too. Like, don't get me wrong. I would have like sections of the day. Cause it was during summer when I d implemented this. Um, and I would have like a two hour segment of the day that like, we also had on the whiteboard ideas of stuff that didn't involve tablet or TVs. So like, go jump on the trampoline, um, go draw some pictures, you know, go read a book, like something like that. They helped with that too. And they would pick some of those every day too. Um, but like they had the whole day up until like dinner time. Cause I was like, that's my, that's my cutoff. Like I've got to be able to do dishes and cook at a certain time. So like we need to have these things done before this time. And like the drastic change that that made, just letting them have that piece and letting them be incorporated in that process, dude, like I will never go back, never go back. It's amazing. That's a great idea. Yeah. One thing we do in our house is because I know my oldest is a talker. Like I said, she has to talk to process. We set aside time before bed because it also then gets it all out of her head so she can sleep better too. We'll set out like 10, 15 minutes that she can just word vomit all at me and get it out of her tiny little brain. I need to do that. That's awesome. I think it helps them when they think they're kind of like you said, like a team player when they have choice and say, and they can talk and they can be themselves and she can like word vomit when she needs to. Like I think addressing that kind of thing. I don't know about carrying it home. I, I'm, I don't know, but I'm going to figure out how to send it home with them. Like I know how to do it here with them, but I don't know how to send it home with them yet, but I hope they take what they have here home with them. Sometimes that's the only thing I have with that. Is that I hope they remember how it functions here with letting them be them and then take it home and remember when they can't maybe sometimes. I don't know. Well, you're oh, showing yeah. them that that can exist though. Yes. Like you're doing it because you're showing them that that can exist in this world. Yes. And that it doesn't have to be like they keep seeing it and like they keep being treated so right. you are doing it they have a trusting environment to figure out ways for themselves that they can work through it that they can then take home with them i tell everyone that comes here i said this is your safe place and it will remain a safe place for everyone here whoever comes in whatever happens i'm sending my kids to tape please I know, right i wish i had <laughs> i if i could if I could get my hands on them and just have them, I would. I would, yeah. I want them to be better than any of us. And with that, we've hit time. Thank you so much to everybody here, Charity, Carlene, and Tiffany, for being part of another 
Sweet Release Healing Roundtable After Dark episode. I'm Andrea Lovett from Sweet Release Healing. I hope you've appreciated this conversation and not been too offended. But if you were, you can direct your complaints to Sharon at SweetReleaseHealing.com. Thank you so much to Sharon and Morgan, our fantastic producers. Absolutely love you, adore you, and couldn't do this without you, especially that sexy hair. Morgan, get it. This is your reminder. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Love you. Bye.